Mark chapter 8, verse 34. And when he had called the people unto him, with, with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man gain? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You may be seated. Father, we're thankful tonight for this service You've allowed us to be a part of. We're thankful, Lord, for these children. We're thankful for every young girl, every young boy that's under the sound of our voice tonight. Father, we pray, Lord, that You would minister to them. God, that You would speak to them through Your Holy Ghost. And Father, we pray tonight, God, that they'd be receptive and be open, Lord, to hear the hearing of Your Word and the preaching of Your Word. And Father, we just pray, Lord, tonight that Your will would be done. And God, that Lord, that You'd help us tonight. And Lord, that You'd use us. Help us to say something. Lord, that someone could take something home with them. And Father, we just want to lift You up. God, we want to give You glory and honor. Praise Your due today. Father, we certainly love You and we give You praise and honor. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And amen. And I believe that this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. No doubt we've all heard uh, perhaps these words that Jesus spoke. And, and I thought, you know, this being a, a youth service, um, it doesn't seem like there's very uh, much youth, very many youth here tonight, but I'm convinced that there's something here for every one of us. But I thought as Jesus was, was speaking here, he, no doubt He was referring to uh, being a disciple. He was talking about discipleship and as He was speaking. And, and He was talking about, you know, how that We've got to lay down our own lives in order to follow Christ and pick up our cross and that we might follow Him. And you have that that He He, he kind of looked at. A, I believe there's a parallel here, and He looked as as us denying ourselves and denying our 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 desires and our flesh. Basically, I believe He He compared that to to. You, you look at this here just for a moment, and He I believe He compared that to to finances. If you will, you think about that, and how how that he was relating. You know, what if we was to be able to gain uh, this whole world, but let, yet we would we would lose our soul. And so I thought about you know, and I believe in one place you know Jesus he talked about uh, living for mammon. You know, mammon is money, and he talked about you know. In other words, I believe he's given us a decision, given us a choice here. Basically, who are we living for? Who are we living for? What are we living for? And I believe the decision is ours. The choice is ours. And basically Jesus is saying you can live for me or you can go out here and serve the world and live for the world and you might be able to perhaps make great gain out into this world. But we've got to weigh it into balances and see is it worth it or not to, to, to throw Christ away and to go out here and gain. You know what? It, it's a... For me, reading and understanding the Scripture here tonight, is it a possibility that one could gain absolutely this whole world? Sure. 
by me reading and understanding the Scripture tonight, it is a possibility that you can go out here and absolutely gain everything imaginable in this world. But what is that going to benefit us? What is that going to profit us? So who are we living for? And what are we living for? So I thought about this. I thought, what is your value? What is your worth? How much are, are you worth? And I thought, you know, you, you think about... You think about... I, I looked up the richest people in the world. And I understand that well. You, when you think about our, our, ourselves, and, and I understand that someone has, has put it down where... Uh, when you get a certain age in life, you're supposed to be worth so much, material-wise. And I think it was only like $6,000 from the time you're born up to about uh, the age of 35. And then it increased and increased, and it got up to close to $200,000 by the time you got to a certain age, like $170,000 by the time you got to a certain age. And how someone has equated that and, 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 and broke that down, however they come up with that, I don't know. But I thought about this. I thought, you know, these, these richest men in the world, I understand that uh, Elon, Elon Musk, I think Rob mentioned him just the other morning, I believe, or the other even whenever it was, he, he mentioned Elon Musk. I understand that he is the richest man in the world. And if, if, I, if I wrote it down right, and if I looked at it right, he is worth something like $184 billion, that's billion with a B, $184 billion. Cannot imagine. Cannot imagine uh, the worth there. The value there. And then I think the second one in line was, uh, is it Jeff Bezos? Is that how you say his name? I think he's the owner of Amazon, I, I believe. Am I right about that? He's the founder or whatever of Amazon. And how that I believe he is worth $177 billion. And then it goes right on down. I believe Bill Gates is third in line with $124 billion. Larry Ellison uh, not even sure who Larry Ellison is, but he's worth $117 billion. And then a fellow by the name of Larry Page, $116. That's the top five in the world. Richest people in the world. Now, I cannot imagine owning or, or having that, 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 that great possession. I understand that, that there is 2,755 billionaires in the world. Almost 3,000 billionaires in the world. But you know, there's nothing wrong with owning money. Now let me say this. In, in 1 Timothy, I believe it's chapter number 6 and verse number 10, where a lot of people get this wrong. They'll say that money is the root of all evil. That's a false statement. That's not what God's Word says. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. So let me just say this. There's absolutely nothing wrong with having great possessions. There's nothing absolutely wrong with, with, uh, with having money, but there is a problem when money has you. There's where the problem lies. When we're living, we're living for a paycheck, and, and, that's, and, that's what it's, and that's all that matters to us is, is that we get a paycheck, and we've got to get this, and we've got to have that, and we've got to get this game. There is a problem there. But I thought about this. You know, there, there's a few things I want you to notice. Uh, 
And I thought about these, these richest men here in the world and, and, and all these billionaires, uh, almost 2,800 billionaires in the world. You know what? And, and I believe as we sit in here in this little church beside the road today, the lights are on. We, we, how many of you had somebody had to carry you in tonight? We all walked in under our own power. Let me just say this. I believe, I believe that every one of us tonight, no doubt, perhaps has something even the billionaires may not have in this life. You think about that. And how, how the... Let me just say this. There's, there's about four or five things here I want, I want you to notice. That I believe that money can't... You know, you think about this. Money can't buy happiness. And I thought that there, there's, there's five things, four or five things here I want you to notice that money cannot buy. And I believe that you may not have a dollar to your name. You may not be able to reach in your pocket and pull out a dime or a nickel or a penny or whatever. But you know what I believe this? I believe if there's a few things that if we own those, then we're rich. Amen. We're rich tonight. My goodness, I remember it's been a long time since I've heard it, uh, a song that... Uh, I believe it was entitled something like The Poor Boy Who Owned Everything. I don't know if anybody else heard that song or knows that song, but it, it spoke about a poor boy who owned everything. And I feel like that poor boy tonight. I don't have a lot to show materialism or material-wise or worldly-wise, but you know what? I've got everything in the Lord Jesus tonight. I've got everything that I need. It, all my desires, everything that I need, I've got it through Christ Jesus tonight. Amen. Now you think about this. I believe, first and foremost, I believe that if we have uh, the safety and security of a loving home, I believe that you're rich tonight. You think about that. Money cannot buy security. Money cannot buy safety. Money cannot buy a safe home. You think about that. In, in Psalms 20, in 127 and 1, it says, Except the Lord build the house, they build it in vain. Let me just say this. I'd rather live under a rock tonight and know yeah. Jesus Christ and have Him as my Lord and Savior as to live in the greatest mansion you can put your eyes on, the greatest thing that money can build or buy. I would rather live under a rock tonight and know that I've been born again, know that I have a relationship with the Lord Jesus than to have anything else this world has to offer. You think about that. How important it is that we have a relationship with Jesus. Now I'm not saying there's anything wrong with money. I'm not saying that a rich man can't make it to heaven. He'll, but if he goes, he's going to go the same way I go. He'll go the same way you go. He's not going to buy his way in. But I thought, you know, no matter, uh, no matter how much money you make, no, much, no, much, uh, no matter how much money you have in the bank, it's not going to buy a secure home. And, you know, I thought about this. You know, you, just, just having the assurance of the Lord Jesus in my heart and my life. My goodness, you think about it. And I thought, you know, you, you young people, you know, if you've got a home to go to tonight, you're rich, whether you realize it or not. If you've got a bed to go lay down in tonight, you're rich. You think about that. If you've got a blanket and a pillow to, to lay, lay on and pull that blanket up over you, you're rich. You can get up and go 
to the refrigerator and get something cold to drink or get something to eat, open the cabinets and get something to eat, you're rich. You think about that. I'm rich tonight. And I thought about this. I thought every one of us walked in here under our own power and sat down in the pew where we're seated tonight. And, you know, I thought, I thought how important it is. How important it is that we have a relationship with Jesus. And not get sidetracked and blinded by what the world has. You know, it, it's enticing. There's a lot of flashy things out there. And it'll pull you in. It'll, it'll draw you right in. We've got to be careful. Be careful and make sure. Make sure we have a right relationship with the Lord Jesus. You know, I thought, I, I get up in the morning. I get up in the morning and my mind becomes conscious. And I lay there for a moment and I begin to thank the Lord for yet another day that He's given. Before my feet ever hit the floor. And then I get up, I'll go, you know what I'll do? I'll turn the water on and I'll take a shower. Then you know what I'll do? I'll go to my closet and I'll have to sort through all the clothes I've got in my closet to figure out what I want to wear to work. I'll go out there and I'll put my boots on. I'll go get in a company truck I'll drive down the road and you know what I'll do? I'll get out and work for a day's wage. I'm rich tonight because of what Jesus has done in my life. Not of anything that I've done, but it's all because of the Lord Jesus tonight. And I thought if I get hungry, you know what I'll do? I'll go find me something to eat. My goodness, I heard somebody say that, I believe it was Henry Oates, Passed away many years ago. Uh, Timmy Oakes' father, a preacher man there, lived up on Little Creek just right up the road from where I grew up. I heard him say many times that you couldn't starve him to death on a flat rock. And I believe it. I believe it. Like what David said. He said, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken for his seed begging bread. I'm rich tonight. And I thought about this. I thought... You know, I've got a mom and a dad that loved me, that cared for me, made sure I was fed, made sure I was clothed, made sure we had a dry place to rest our heads at night. We were clean. Didn't have everything that maybe we, we wanted, but you know what? We had all that we needed. God was never short. God never come up short. Bless His holy name. My goodness, he, there's not been one time that He's let me down. There's not been one time that He's failed me. But He's always been exactly what I've needed when I've needed Him. I thought about mom and dad and I thought about how daddy worked and mommy worked and how they supplied and they paid the bills and made sure everything was caught up. And you know, we never needed and never wanted for a thing. Now I look back and see how God had, had been in my life all, from day one right on you right from the very breath that I draw right now, I can see where God has been in my life. And I thank God for Him. Thank God. And I thought about this. And the second thing I want you to notice is, I believe if you've got good health tonight, you're rich. You're rich. I believe it's in Jeremiah chapter number 8. It talks about, uh, about the health of an individual. 
And you know, you think about uh, many wealthy people that have died and gone on. You know what? They would, I believe that they would be willing to do. I believe they'd be willing to give up anything and everything that they had just to have another woman on this life. In this world, you think about it. And how that, that money cannot buy them another day. I understand that there is something like a one-third of the world's population is considered to be in bad health. You think about it. Whether it be cancer, whether it be heart disease, or whatever it may be, uh, uh, some kind of uh, being crippled some way. You think about that. A one-third of the, of the world's population is said to be in bad health. And I look around and I'm glad that I can look and see you. I'm glad I can hear when you stand and testify. I can hear you sing the beautiful songs. I can, I can hear the preaching. I can hear and, and feel the presence of God move in our heart and our life when someone stands and testifies in the Spirit. Or we feel the, the Spirit move in that Holy Ghost song. Or when the preacher begins to preach, thank God we got out of the vehicle and walked inside of this church and sat down under our own power. You think about it tonight, church. We're rich because of the health that we may have. I've got breath in my lungs. Praise the Lord. I'm rich tonight. Not because of me. Not because of anything that I've done. Because of what Jesus has done in my life. I'm rich tonight. And I thought about this. You know, here in just a moment, we may dismiss this church and we'll walk out of here and we'll hear the, the Katie Dids is singing up on the hill. We'll hear the, the jar flies ringing up on the hill. Thank God for those sounds that we can hear. You think about it. I'm rich tonight. And I believe that you all are as well. If you've got good health, if you didn't wake, you didn't wake up this morning in pain or hurting, you ought to thank God tonight for it. Don't, I don't have to go home. Now maybe some of you do. But I don't have to go home tonight and take a handful of pills before I go to bed. And I'll get up in the morning. You know, it, it, it amazes me. And, and I, I worked I worked here just a few weeks ago. I worked, I think, this 40-some hours straight. And it, it kicked my hind parts. I'll just say it like that. It got me. But you know what amazed me? After I laid down just for a couple hours, I got up and I felt re re refreshed, revived. It amazes me. How I can go and I can work and give, give an honest day's work and go lay down in that bed and get up as though it never worked before. You think about that. I'm rich today because of the health that I have. And I thank God for that. I thank God for the, the health and strength that He has given me and, and, and what He has given you. And, and I know that some of us are, are, are perhaps healthier than others, but you know what? I believe we all still have something to thank God about tonight. Every one of us, I, I believe every one of us walked in here under our own power. And God willing, we'll all get up and walk out. And they're because of what God has done in our lives. If you got up this morning and you brushed your teeth, you combed your hair, you went to school, you went to work, God has been good to you. God has been good to you. You know, you just you just go visit the closest nursing home. You go visit the closest funeral home, you think about it. It don't take long to see that there's others that's far worse off than what you are. Amen. You just look around. 
God has certainly been good to me. I'm rich today because of Jesus. And I thought about this. The third thing I want you to notice is this. I believe if you have experienced love in your life, you're rich. And you know what? These five men that I mentioned that's worth hundreds of billions of dollars, they can't buy love. You can't buy love. But I thought in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 11 it says, it says that we ought to love one another. Now I thought about that word love and, and how that love I believe is the strongest emotion that anyone could ever feel. That word love. And the effects that it's had in my life down through the years. You know, before, before I got to know Jesus, there was nothing like mommy's love. And I believe that word, I, I believe a lot of times we'll use that word too loosely or too lightly. We just throw it out there haphazardly and say, well, I love this, I love that, or whatever it may be. And, and if we're not careful, we're losing the effects of it and we're losing the true meaning of it. But, but you know, before, before I really got to know the Lord Jesus personally, on, when I met Him on that, before I met Him on August the 8th of 1988, it, as far as I'm concerned, there was nobody's love like Mommy's love. And I thank God I had a loving mommy that loved me. I know that she loved me. She, she still loves me. I, I believe that. She, tells me, she told me just a while ago. <laughs> she told me just a while ago she loved me, and I believe her. Isn't it good to be loved? Isn't it good to know that you're loved? You know what? I believe she'll love me tomorrow too. Appreciate my mommy and the love that she has for me. I know she loves me because she prays for me. I know she loves me because she calls out my name to the God of heaven. Let me say this to you young people. If you've got a mommy or a daddy or a grandparent or a guardian in here tonight that gets on their knees on your behalf, you're loved. You're loved tonight because of that. But I want you to think about this. There's a, there's a love, you know, that, that even goes beyond mommy's love. Bless the Lord. I'm getting excited just thinking about it. That day that I knelt at an old-fashioned altar and asked the Lord Jesus to save a little old boy, He made a difference and made a change in my life. And I've experienced love like I've never known before. When Jesus introduced Himself to me, He said, he, Paul wrote there, I believe it was in Romans 5 and 8, He said, But God commendeth His love toward us in that while I was yet sinners, you know what that means? When I was out here wild as can be out in the world, He still loved me enough that He went and bled and died on my behalf. But God commendeth His love. You know what that means? He, just, he didn't just say it, but He proved it. He showed me. He demonstrated His love. He showed me that He loved me by when He went to the cross and bled and suffered and died on my behalf so that I don't have to. And I want you to know tonight, young people, there may be times in your life when it may seem mommy don't love you. It may seem like daddy don't love you. It may seem like the preacher don't love you. It may seem like nobody in this world loves you. But I want you to know there, will, there has never been a time, there will never be a time that you'll escape the love of God tonight. You can't get outside of the love of God and the love of Christ. You think God loved you enough to send His only Son I couldn't do that. I couldn't do it. And the Son loved you enough 
that He gave His own life for you. On the cross of Calvary. How many of you know John 3.16? Probably the most quoted verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world. That's me. And that's you. For God so so loved the world. You know, you think about that word. So that that little old two-letter word is important. You ever ever say that verse without that word, for God loved? It changes the meaning altogether. That's why we need to keep God's Word the way it is. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I thought He loved me enough that He suffered and bled and died for me. And not only that, when I leave this life, that's not the end of it. But He loved me enough that He gave me eternal life. And He's offering that to you tonight if you don't know it, if you don't have it. You know, if you've got someone tonight that will call you up and tell you that they're praying for you, They'll send you a text and tell you that they're... I got text today. People telling me that they're praying for me. I don't take that lightly. I appreciate the fact that there's people sitting right here among us that gets on their knees and calls out my name. Appreciate the Lord tonight. Appreciate the people that calls my name out to the sovereign God of heaven. I'm rich. I'm rich because of the love of Christ. And I thought about this. You know, well, I thought, you know, Jesus is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You know, and I thought about that brother. There's times that that brother can't be there. There's times when they're not there and they don't know what you're going through. But you know what? There's never a time that Jesus can't be there. He's closer than that brother. And He knows exactly what we're facing today. He knows the battles and He knows the storms that we're up against right now. And He's going to go through them with you. And I thought about this, number four. I thought about having having peace in your life. You're rich because of the peace. You know what? There's two different kinds of peace at least. You know, there is having peace with God. And then there's having the peace of God. I like that. I like having the peace. You know what? Having the peace, having peace with God, that means that I'm not going to experience His wrath. That means that I'm in the right fellowship with His Son Jesus. That means that I've got a a relationship with His Son Jesus, and, and He's the mediator between me and the sovereign God of heaven, the God the Father. And then you think about the the peace of God. And how how you think about that? Even even when I now after I, after the fact that I come to terms with the peace with God, and I'm I'm not in at enmity with Him. Now I've got the peace of God. That means that no matter what I'm facing in this life, no matter the storm, no matter the battle, no matter no matter what I'm facing in this life, I can still have a song in my heart and have praise on my lips, no matter what is going on around. The peace of God. And I thought about this in Philippians chapter 4, I believe it is. Paul said that it's a peace that passeth all understanding. Can't even, can't even comprehend the peace that only God can give. And you're rich tonight if you've got that. I thought, 
there, there's, I want, I want to share this with you. Uh, I, I remember hearing about a fella. He was the seventh son of 12 children. And he was born in 1875. It was a poor family. The daddy was a preacher. And they were poor. And when he got to the age of about 10 years old, the daddy come to him and said, Look, son, he said, there's 12 of you. I, I, can't, I can't afford to pay for all your clothes and your shoes. He said, you're going to have to figure out a way to come up with your own shoes and your own clothes. And it wasn't long this young man got a, got a job and he was working at a, a, retail, a store somewhere. And he was, he was earning money to be able to buy his own clothes, his own shoes to go to school. Well, later on in life, and, and from the experience that he had uh, from working as a, young, as a young boy, he started his own business. And, and later on in life, he, he, he well, come to find out when he was about in his mid-30s, I think early the mid-30s, he had over 1,400 stores. And in the early 1920s, it was worth, I believe somebody said around $40 million in the early 1920s. Kind of got away from the Lord uh, because of uh, just different th things that had come up in his life. He, he, he got away from the Lord. Now, his daddy was a preacher. But in 19, I believe it was 29, when uh, the, the Great Depression hit and the stock market crashed or whatever happened, I believe it was in 1929, he lost absolutely everything. And not only did he lose 1,400 stores, not only did he lose uh, $40 million worth in, the, in that day, in, the, in 1929, he was $7 million in debt. And it was more than he could handle. More than he could bear. And it wasn't long, about a year and a half, two years later, he found himself in a mental ward. Completely lost his mind. In there for some time, and he said it wasn't long, he got up one morning and, and heard something uh, some, some rattling down the hall and he looked and there was somebody, uh, some, a few people down the hall, they were setting up a, a band. They were setting up some different instruments and it looked like it was one. And he didn't have no idea who they were or, or why they were there, but they got to singing and they got to singing his daddy's favorite song about God taking care of, taking care of you. And there was something that happened on the inside. He said, I can't explain it. He said, but there was something that took place on the inside and he began to think back when Daddy, was, when Daddy would preach to him and, and there was something begin to stir and move in his heart and his life. And he said, he went back to that little room and knelt at a cot and he began to pray to the Lord and he said, Lord, he said, I don't care about the 1,400 stores. I don't care about the $40 million. He said, I just want peace. He said, 1,400 stores and $40 million didn't give me peace. He said, I'll be content staying in this little room just knowing that I've got the peace of God in my heart. Well, you know that J.C. Penney lived to be 95 years old. And while he was laying and, and went, on, went on to, I think he went on to have like almost 2,100 stores scattered around. And somebody estimated today that it was worth over 30 to $35 billion today. And he's... And he said, well, while he was laying there on his deathbed, one of his grandchildren come in and said, Papa, he said, well, if there was anything you could do over in this life, what would it be? And he thought, he thought, Mike, and at this time, I understand that J.C. Penney was given 
75 cents of every dollar that he made to the Lord. 75 cents of every dollar he was given to the church. And he thought for a moment, he said, he said, son, he said, if I would do things over again, he said, I'd give more to the Lord. He said, the Lord has given me more than 1,400 stores. He said, the Lord has given me more than $40 million. He said, the Lord has given me more than 2,100 stores and over $30 billion. He said, the Lord has given all those things. Let me just say this. The world will not supply peace. But peace comes from God. True peace comes from within. And he said, God has given me the peace that I have today. The world cannot offer that. And how that he died in peace. J.C. Penney. Last thing I want you to notice. I believe that we're rich tonight if you know that you're going to heaven. <laughs> I, thought, I thought about Jesus. Jesus owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm his brother. Join heirs. I'm, I'm join heirs with Jesus. Whatever. And I like this. Whatever he owns, you know what I own? Whatever he owns, you own. But I thought, you know, I'm glad I know that I've been born again. I, I believe in Hebrews chapter number 10. I believe it's in verse 22. It, it talks about having full assurance of faith. You know what that means? Not having a doubt. Leaving no doubt about it. I'm convinced and know that I am. Know that I've been born again. Know that I've been saved. Know that I've been blood bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus. Nobody can take that or remove that from me. I've got it. And I like as Jennifer sings, I got it that way. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But I thought, you know. Well, let me let me just share this with you. Well, I, I don't know about you, but I want something that'll go farther beyond the grave. And if if all you've got tonight, if that's as far as it goes, you know what? You've lived a miserable life. You've lived a wasted life. If everything that you own tonight, if that's as far as it goes as to the grave, you have absolutely nothing. But I want you to know that there's something that will go farther than the grave. There's something that will go farther than this world and this life as we know it. And that's having a relationship with Jesus. There's nothing more important tonight than knowing that you've been born again. Knowing that you've been saved. And I remember this. I'll be done. But I remember hearing this story... Um, the fellow, his last name was Paul. I don't, I'm not sure of his first name, but, but I remember he was uh, he, he grew up in church, had a godly mommy, a, a praying, a God-fearing mommy, and she would shout and run the aisles, and it embarrassed that boy to death. And he wanted every, he wanted to separate himself from his mommy. He was embarrassed of her, and and, and he and he got old enough. He ran away from home and got away from it. Well, it wasn't long. He, he got word from his mommy, or got word that his mommy was laying dying. And he said he went down to that nursing home where she laid, and there just lay the shell of a woman. He walked into that little room, and he began to talk. It had been some time since he'd seen her. And he began to talk to his mommy, and, and no response, no answer. 
And the nurse come in and said she'd been like that for several days. She ain't said a word in several days. And she just got a blank stare looking off. And he said he kept looking. She was staring and laying in that bed, staring up at the ceiling, an eight-foot ceiling. And, and he kept looking up at the ceiling. And he thought, well, there's nothing there. And he thought, well, she's, she's looking beyond that ceiling. She's looking past that ceiling. And here stood that, that, that rebel of a boy. And he said, my mommy, while she's looking at that ceiling, she opened her mouth and the last word she said, glory, what a city. And she said she took her last breath and went on to be with Jesus. And he left there. It troubled him. He thought, I know mommy was ready to go. And he knew that he wasn't. He ran from it. He got. He done everything he could to get away from that memory, get away from the memory of, of mommy, get away from the memory of God and the experience that mommy showed him as a child down through the years, taking him to church and dragging him to church. He thought, I'll get in the army. I'll get in the military. He got in the military and he ended up over in Germany. And some, boys, some other boys come to him and said, let's go out and drink. Let's go. He'd never drank before. He, he thought, well, how, I don't even know how to, how am I going to order alcohol here in Germany? I don't know. And he went in there and sat down. And he said, the bartender come over and he ordered a, a big glass of beer. The bartender come over and handed that beer to him. And he said, that bartender looked at him and said, sir, he said, I'm going to ask you something. He said, you're, you're not from around here, are you? He said, no. He said, I'm new here. And he could tell, I guess he could tell he was in, in the army or in the military. And, and, and he said, that bartender looked at him and said, he said, I'm going to ask you a personal question. He said, are you saved? And here that bartender asked him that question. And he said, he began to think back to mommy. And that sound, glory, what a city went through his mind. And he said he tried, he said, he said he tried his best to, to take a drink of that beer. And every time he'd take a, uh, get that beer up to his lips, he'd hear that sound, glory, what a city. After several attempts of, of hearing mommy say glory, what a, he threw the beer down and ran outside and he said he was, he was pacing up and down the streets and every step he took, he said he could hear glory, what a city. He couldn't get it off of his mind. He said he was about to lose his mind. He said he ran down the street and into the barracks and he slept on the bottom, the bottom button. He said he slid underneath that bunk on the floor on his belly. And he said by then, the lights come on, they was piling off, and the, and the, other, the other people was wondering what was going on. And, they, they, and here laid this boy underneath the bed. And they was whispering and wondering what the world was going on. He's like, shut up! I'm trying to get saved. And he said it wasn't long. He said, here come one of the sergeants. And he said he grabbed me by the ankles and slid me out from underneath that bed and stood me up and said, what do you have to say for yourself, Mr. Paul? And he said, glory, what a city. And he said while he was laid on his belly, flat on his belly underneath that bed, he said God saved him right then. Glory, what a city. I don't know about you, but there's nothing like knowing that you've been saved. There's nothing like knowing that your name is written in heaven. Bless His holy name. My name is in the book of life. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. My goodness, there's nothing like knowing that you've been born again. Nothing like knowing that you've been blood-bought and you're saved and on your way to heaven tonight.